I think it was just getting stuck in, in the routine. Like, I don't think I was like purposely passive. I thought I was doing pretty well. But then I just kind of realized like, man, if you're not pushing forward, if you're not being intentional, like you are kind of slowly drifting backwards. And so I found myself just in a, in a season of a couple of years of a job I didn't love. Um, and I just kind of was slowly drifting backwards without even really realizing. And then all of a sudden I was like, shoot, man, I don't even know kind of who I am right now. I don't know what I'm excited about. Nothing's getting me, you know, pumped to get up in the morning. And so I think it was just kind of that slow fade, you know, it honestly wasn't like some crazy event that knocked me down. It was just kind of a complacency with life. Welcome to Authentic Conversations. I'm your host, Ryan James Miller, and I believe the way to freedom, fulfillment, and success ultimately comes by living as the most authentic version of yourself. If you're ready to live the life you've dreamed of, you're in the right place. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to season three of Authentic Conversations. If you are following along, we are episode two uh, of season three. This is actually episode 192. I actually said on the last episode that it is just mind blowing for me to think that it's been going this long. And I don't know if that's a test of my endurance or your patience or some combination of the both, but uh, I am just so stoked to be here. Uh, As we kick off off this season, as I prefaced on uh, the last episode, uh, you know, this season is really about following people's story and really gaining a good understanding for how uh, an individual's own hurt, heartache, tragedy, struggle, and challenge has not just uh, shaped them, but, but really allowed them to see themselves for who they have been created to be. And just tracing lines and allowing you to, 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 to take a peek into other guests' stories and lives and understand maybe how to unpack your own. So this specific guest today, Jonathan McKinley, uh, I had the fortune of being introduced to him through a mutual connection, and we had a great first conversation, and we talked about a fellow coaches, coaching practices. Jonathan's a coach. He works uh, specifically with young men. He's a Maxwell certified coach, and he was talking about just working with them to help them live the best life that they possibly could, and uh, you guys know that that just gets me super fired up, uh, and, and we had a great conversation, and we left it at that, and we knew we would reconnect and and then uh, the mutual connection that introduced the two of us, he said, oh man, have you heard Jonathan's story? And I said, we just didn't really get into it that deep. And so we are all in for a treat because today we're all going to hear about it for the first time. Uh, but for now, Jonathan, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks so much for taking time. Yeah, let's go, man. Thank you. What an intro. <laughs> I and love Jonathan's the a podcast pro, so he, he, he's so good at this. He knows exactly oh. what he's doing over there. I don't know if I'm a pro. You're uh, you're 192 in. I'm only like 16 in. So I think uh, you got a little experience on me. <laughs> yeah. All that means is I've just made way more mistakes than you have. So it's all good. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I'm just going to learn from you today. <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, stoked all to right, be so, here, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, uh, as we talked before, we talked a little bit offline, um, but you know, one of the things that kind of comes right out in your bio is 
this desire for you to help other young men of which you're still a, a pretty young guy. I know, but to, to help other young men live their mm. lives with intentionality to seek out success, but the right type of success, because I know you spent time in the corporate world before. And so where, where was that kind of birthed from? Like where, where did you first start to feel this shift uh, in your desire to, to live intentionally uh, in your life? Yeah, man, that's a great question. Um, so I've always kind of, I'm actually a pastor's kid. So my dad's been a pastor for like 31 years now. So I've grown up in ministry. I've grown up like, I think when you're a pastor's kid, you either go one of two ways. You either like totally rebel <laughs> against everything or you just live in the church and do everything. <laughs> so I was one of those guys who was just in the church all the time. So I was a part mm-hmm. of ministry things, um, helped lead, um, but never had this calling towards men. I actually played the drums, I've been in music, like that was my passion, mm-hmm. um, was in music. And then, uh, yeah, which we'll jump more into my story, but went through kind of a crazy uh, divorce uh, just a few years back. And in that whole thing, like just through that pain and that hardship and that whole season, um, really just got a heart for men because I was living like a, just a pretty passive life, just mm-hmm. living like just kind of coasting, you know, like I think it's super easy to just get up and just coast through life and just do the day to day and get stuck in a routine and not have like a vision or a purpose or a passion. And so I kind of find my, found myself in that spot and then had a big wake up call and some crazy moments in between and uh, came out of that being like, man, like I don't want to ever go back to a life that's just coasting through. Like I want to have purpose. I want to live with intentionality. And that changed my life in such a way that I was like, dude, I got to be about helping other people do the same thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, as much as I want to ask what, um, first I, I I think why, so why, why do you feel it took, um, this rattle? Because, um, Mm -hmm. I, I think that sometimes, um, you know, when we see in the Bible, the Bible often talks about, you know, uh, uh, contentedness and being joyful in all things. And there's so much wisdom there. I think it gets a bad rap a lot, right? I mean, you obviously, yeah. you say, you know, coasting and obviously we don't want to go there, but um, there's nothing wrong with, you know, just living a good life and just, uh, you know, not, not, not going awry and being reasonably successful. And so why, why for you did you feel like, that just wasn't, and maybe this may not be the right word and maybe we'll get into this more, but like, why, mm-hmm. why was that just not enough for you? Or why was that just not the right thing for you? Yeah, I would say I was actually pretty content in the season. Um, but I didn't know what was on the other side. And so mm-hmm. like, I think the coasting led me to some complacency and honestly, mm-hmm. it was kind of like, a for lack of a better word, like false humility. And like, mm-hmm. I was taught to just be like such a humble servant and like, and I just, that led me to, which is an awesome thing. Like I still want that. Um, but I just didn't have like vision. I was just kind of like, whatever's thrown at me, I'll try to just kind of react and I'll just help people. And like, just didn't really have, I, I really just couldn't find my way. I was in a career that I wasn't stoked about. Um, and so like, yeah, it was just a, just kind of a, a coasting. But then when you get on the other side and I started being like, man, this is what I want to be about. And this is what life's about. And now I have a plan and like, I'm pursuing that on a daily basis. And I actually like have a vision for where I'm going. And I I have a vision for like who I want to be as a man. I think that was a key thing 
Um, and so I don't I, like, I think it was just getting stuck in, in the routine. Like, I don't think I was like purposely passive. I thought I was doing pretty well, but mm-hmm. then I just kind of realized like, man, if you're not pushing forward, if you're not being intentional, like you are kind of slowly drifting backwards. And so I found myself just in a, in a season of a couple of years of a job I didn't love. Um, and I just kind of was slowly drifting backwards without even really realizing. And then all of a sudden I was like, shoot, man, I don't even know kind of who I am right now. I don't know what I'm excited about. Nothing's getting me, you know, pumped to get up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was just kind of that slow fade, you know, it honestly wasn't like some crazy event that knocked me down. It was just kind of a complacency with life. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, if you're anything like me, um, I think sometimes uh, the stubbornness of, of of knowing our own way or, or thinking we know what we're doing, or, or even again when it's with good intention, sometimes it mm. takes a good slap in the face or a good yeah. punch to the chin. Uh, and sure. so, um, and I believe for me, and, and I'm sure you would agree that that that's God's wake up call, right? Maybe not in the, the violent ways I say all the time, but um, God God. God kind of begins to just drive a wedge in. And so where mm-hmm. did that first start to happen for you where you kind of started to break or, or, or life started to be exposed to what it really was? Yeah, for sure. So let's see, this would have been in 2019. Um, I could feel things were a little off with my wife. We'd been married for five years, got married when we were 23. Um, loved it. Had a great marriage for about, you know, four and a half years. Um, I know a lot of people talk about that first year of marriage being the hardest. Ours was like a breeze. So I was like, wow. I think I got pretty complacent in it in terms of like how easy it was. Mm-hmm. And like we treated each other well and stuff. The thing that I was missing was just like the vision. I feel like as a man and as a husband of like having a vision for the marriage and making sure I know where it's going, like, or where I want it to go and help, you know, fostering that and stuff. Um, so anyway, in, in kind of the fall of 2019, um, things were a little off. She came to me and just said, hey, I think we should go to some some counseling. And for me, that was like, <laughs> for whatever what? reason, like I always thought that was like, oh my gosh, your marriage is like absolutely on the rocks. This is the worst <laughs> thing. Uh, <laughs> so I think counseling is a good thing. And it, honestly, it kind of changed my perspective on that of like, you don't have mm-hmm. to go when things are about to fail. Like, I think people should go honestly more to like be more proactive. Um, but that for me was the first sign that like, okay, things are a little off. Um, and then we went to counseling for a few months and kind of thought we had figured out some of the issues and stuff, talked through it. So I, at that point was thinking we were pretty good again. And this is just like, I think as men, sometimes we're just oblivious to what's really going on underneath. I'm like, sweet, we fixed it. We're good. Let's move on. Act like everything's fine. So, so before you go on from there, because I think that's yeah. that's a really important important uh, point to kind of put a pin in. Um, so I, I talk about this um, uh, in my book. I talk about this with a lot of guys specifically. I think that's kind of how we're conditioned, though, right? Like we, yeah. as as young boys, for, for good and bad, um, you know, you you fall down, you bump yourself, you scrape a knee, and you're mm-hmm. you're just told like, okay, get up, dust it off, and and move on. Um, when something's broke figure it out, address it, fix it and move on. And so, 
you really didn't know any better, right? That that's not necessarily an excuse. It's just the reality of you For thought sure. it was fixed and you're good and you can just move on. And it also sounds like probably you weren't really, when you talk about not having a vision for marriage and I, this was the same yeah. way for me, it doesn't yeah. sound like you, you knew any different anyway. So how, how would you have done anything other than what you either felt or what was being yeah. told to you by other people? Yeah. Well, I think that's such a good point. And that's honestly why I love doing what I do now, because I I really do. I look back on that time and I'm like, I did the best that I could with what I knew. Like I really Mm. did. And I have, I have a lot of peace in that of like, man, I loved her as best as I could. I served her. My model of marriage was my dad, which is amazing. He's very servant hearted. And so that's what Mm. I did. Um, But there was this a whole other piece of like being a man and leadership and like, being bold and courageous and stepping into your passion and pursuing things and having a vision and like getting after it, that that's the piece that I was missing, but I wasn't really aware of it until honestly things went South. And then I kind of like just learned that as I went. And so now I love like helping guys beforehand of being like, Hey, you know, there's this whole other side and like, let's be men who live intentional lives so that we can be proactive and not reactive and learn from my mistakes and stuff. So I do think that's a good point. Like I, I really don't look back and say like, gosh, like I was just, I knew what I should do and I just wasn't doing it. It was definitely a more of like, I was doing what I thought I could do. I just didn't know really how to lead. I just wasn't ready for that, I guess. Yeah. Well, and like you said earlier, you know, you thought going to counseling was the end, right? Like, yeah, oh my gosh, sure. it's, 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 a, it's an absolute <laughs> yeah. disaster. Uh, whereas now, you, you know, even through this, you're realizing, and obviously now in present day, you, you really understand this, mm-hmm. you know, you go to, you go to counseling or you hire a coach, um, proactively, right. Yes. To, yes. to keep you sharp. I mean, that's every athlete, you know, they don't, they don't yep. hire coaches because things are a mess. Sometimes they'll change the coach because things are a mess, but they've, the, yeah. the best of them have them all the time because they're trying to be proactive to keep themselves sharp, to keep themselves going and to see things that Absolutely. they can't see into themselves. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest shifts that I've found is just that being proactive in life and like not waiting for things to get bad before all of a sudden you have this wake up call and you go do it. It's like, no, like I'm going to be on the front end of things and I'm going to take the time that it takes to have a vision, like to get clarity on who I want to be or who I, what I want in this relationship. Like, I think that's the game changer of actually taking the time to reflect on where you are and who you want to be and where you want to go and how you want this relationship to be. And then like, then you work yourself back from there. I'm like, okay, how do I do this on a daily basis? And what are the actions that get me there? And I just didn't know that, you know, I just didn't know that that's what I should be doing. It was very much a like, you know, I was going with the flow and then all of a sudden it's bad and I'm like, oh shoot, like, okay, now I got to work really hard to kind of try to fix things. Yep. Okay. So you're, you're post counseling, you feel like things you're on the better side of things. And yet it sounds like things still aren't completely getting better. For sure. Yeah. So yeah, finished counseling up and then, um, we actually went on a trip to Europe uh, with my brother and his wife, which was awesome. Like, seemed like it was going really well. Came home and um, just felt kind of like we weren't connecting very well for a couple weeks. So a couple weeks go by, and I, I just kind of reached out to her. I just was talking to her and was like, hey, I feel like we need to just have a really good date night, just connect and see where we're at and just, yeah, just kind of spend some time talking, like, really deep. And so we had typically done, like, a pretty consistent date night. So it was a Wednesday and we were like, okay, let's just really have a good chat on Wednesday. So 
was at work Wednesday, came home and um, walking the door, turned the corner and she's sitting on a couch and she's already like in tears. And I'm like, uh oh, like uh, <laughs> something is up. And so sit down with her and I won't give all the details just out of respect for her and everything, but pretty much it was kind of a, hey, we're just not connecting. She was struggling with some things in life. And so she just said, hey, I need a break. And uh, that was kind of like, whoa, like I had no idea, honestly, that we were to that point. And uh, so she ends up, you know, ended up leaving that day, got in the car and, and went and stayed with a friend. And and so I'm just at home like, what in the world just happened? You know, I, I didn't want the break. I, I, I tried to kind of, you know, talk it off. But uh, that was what that was where it was at. So just kind of to me, it felt blindsiding like. I didn't know we were at this point. I thought we had kind mm-hmm. of fixed things. Um, to her, it was like, how have you not noticed all the signs? Um, wow. And uh, so that's kind of, that was the big wake-up call then at that point was like, oh my gosh, she's actually gone, and now i got to figure out how to try to save a marriage and fight for this thing in a, in a separation. Wow. That, I mean, that has to be extremely hard because it doesn't sound like there were clear things that you weren't doing or, you know, that, that you should have been doing. And on the other side of things, Mm -hmm. it doesn't sound like there were things that you were doing that you shouldn't have been doing. So it was almost as if, while obviously there's no perfect in marriage, Mm -hmm. it it, it was really completely out of your control. And so that had to be one of the most difficult things to deal with. Yeah, for sure. Well, so absolutely. Um, and the day, so the day after, I, ca- I called my boss that night. I had an amazing boss. It was, you know, answer to prayer that I was working at this company at the time. But just said, hey, man, I got to take the day. I'm just taking tomorrow off. Just some personal things. I didn't even share what it was. And he was like, okay. And I went up to Estes Park, uh, which is in Colorado. It's about an hour away from where I live. I was like, I just got to get into the mountains. Um, got to hang with God. Got to kind of, kind of, you know, clear my head and just think through some of this, process it. So... I'm driving up there. I get to the YMCA where I've been a million times and I see this road and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to take this and see where it goes. End up at the top of this mountain. There's this place called Overlook Chapel, which is like, it's kind of like a wedding venue, like amphitheater and then just mountains like everywhere. Um, Amazing scene. And so I'm just sitting here and I'm just like, okay, I got to kind of figure out what's going on with me and with, with God and just where I'm at. And so I'm just processing things. And I remember sitting there in this moment and I'm like, I'm talking to God and I'm like, I feel like I have two options here. Um, I can play the victim and be super upset, be super mad. I can use it as an excuse to do self-destructive things. I can go, you know, try to drink the pain off. I can do, I don't know, whatever it would be to just say, kind of say like, this sucks and I'm going to go this way. Or I can say, you know what? I can't control the situation. I can't control her attitude. I can't control what she's doing, but I can control me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can't control my attitude. I can't control how I love her. I can't control how, um, I'm, you know, spending my time and I can control what I can grow on. Um, and we'll just, just kind of commit to that. So luckily in that moment, like that's a pivotal moment when I look back of like, you know what, I'm not going to play the victim here. Like I'm going to, I'm going to commit to this thing for the long haul, no matter how long it takes, if we're separated for five years, I'm sticking with it, um, and I'm just going to work on myself the whole time and just get as good as I possibly can. And uh, that commitment honestly just saved me, and uh, I would not be sitting here 
if I did not make that choice. You know, I could have gone the other way pretty easily. Um, but I feel like, you know, by the grace of God, it was kind of like, a, hey, man, let's let's use this to grow and let's use this to get better. And uh, yeah, he, he did <laughs> in crazy ways. So so I think that, I, I mean, that's so amazing. And, and I don't want to discredit God's grace in that moment. I mean, obviously, yeah. it, it w- we would be fools to say that God was not present with you, not For sure. clearly, you know, just just working in you. And at the same time, I mean, that took so much personally. Sure. I, I, you know, I, we uh, when I look to Scripture, one of the things I always love, particularly when you read of like the Apostle Paul, is um, that there's always this tension. Paul is like the most sovereignty of God guy that exists yeah. in all of scripture. And at the same time, he's always, there's always this tension with the work that he does, right? Like when he talks about pressing on towards the upward call, he talks about striving. And so it's like, there's mm-hmm. this deep necessary human responsibility to take ownership uh, of sure. ourselves. Uh, not that that's, that's separate from God or devoid of God. It's just like, we also need to, to, to participate. And so what, what do you feel like gave you the wisdom, understanding, strength to make mm-hmm. that decision? I mean, had you ever been faced with anything like that before? Were there other moments along the way? Or was that just, do you really feel like it was a moment of, no, just God has prepared me for this specific moment? Yeah, for sure. Um, I hadn't been faced with anything near that big before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so I think I had made the decision in my life. I had, you know, like I had given my life to the Lord. I've, you know, known him for a long time. I've seen him do amazing things in my life and other people's lives. So I think I just had that commitment to God for sure. And that was like Mm -hmm. the biggest thing was like, you know, I I had had made that commitment that no matter what happens in my life, like this is what I believe. This is who I am. God doesn't change. Um, And so that, you know, that foundation of, of having that was huge in terms of Mm -hmm. like nothing can shake this. Um, So that was, that was big. Number one, the second on a very more like practical level was I was just literally looking at the two options. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I just, I think maybe it was the grace of God or whatever to look at the two, but I was kind of just thinking like, okay, this one seems easier playing the victim and like doing all this. Um, uh, but here's my two. And, and if I want to come to the end of this and have no regrets and feel like I gave it my all, um, clearly this other option of like just sticking with it and stuff is the option. And so that was kind of honestly what it was, was I just put it down to an ultimatum between two things. And it was like, no, the man that I want to be wants to be a man of commitment, wants to be a man that sticks things out, um, a man of integrity. And I don't want to come to the end of this thing and be like, shoot, I could have given more. I played the victim and I blew it. You know, it's kind of like, no, I'm going to give this my all no matter how, how long it takes. And it was honestly just because that was the better option of the two for the person that I want to be. So you, you said earlier uh, particularly related to your marriage, but I mean, even, even somewhat yeah. you said in your own life, like you really didn't have a vision, right? Yeah. And yet now you're using this language around like this man that you wanted to be. And yeah. so yeah. where, where did, where did that come into play? Like, was that there in dormant or was yeah. again, was all part of like this crescendo of a moment leading you to this place to maybe reveal to you what was already inside of you. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think it was their endorment, honestly, of like, mm-hmm. I, kn- I knew, I, I think I knew the kind of person that I wanted to be in terms of like, I wanted to love people. I wanted to live with integrity. Um, but I just didn't have this fire. I just didn't have this passion and I didn't have the purpose of like, I know this is like the thing that I love and, and brings me alive. And like the, the purpose that I feel like I have now, like now it's like, Oh my gosh, like I was put on this earth to help men overcome passivity and live a life of generational significance. It's like, I'm so clear on that now. Like that's what I want to be about. And I didn't have that, but I do think I just had this desire to make a difference and to be a good person and to follow God's purpose for me and stuff. And it was kind of like, so I, I feel like that base was there. Um, but it just was, it just, I had just been chilling, you know, I think that's what yeah. it was, was like, man, I just was doing the easy thing. I was making the easy decisions. I was just coasting. I know I used that word earlier, but that's, that was yeah. just the truth of like, it's so easy to do that without really realizing and then all of a sudden yeah. you get knocked over the head and you're like, oh, shoot, I got to kick it into gear. And, and I think I yeah. had the base, the framework and everything there. It just it took something like this, honestly, for me to get to the level or the person that I am now. OK, so now is the part of the story where you're going to tell us that you had this mountaintop yeah. experience. You came to the realization <laughs> no. of who you wanted to be and everything worked out perfectly. <laughs> no, that's not true. So, I mean, I had this moment. And I think it's it's easy in these kind of situations to act like, oh my gosh, I was perfect and I handled this so well because I had this moment. Bro, probably the next day I was yelling at God, like, where, where the heck are you? <laughs> you know, like, I almost guarantee you, I was like, this is stupid. Like, what is this? Um, Where's the bottle? But that was honestly... Yeah. yeah, that was honestly a big a big thing for me in this too, is I just learned to like be totally honest with God. And I, I felt mm. like before when I would come to him in prayer or whatever, it would be like, a little bit of a show of just like, Oh, you're so good. And I trust you. And and then I like, in this, it was like, God, this sucks. Like, where are you? Like, why isn't anything happening? Like over and over and over. And I think the majority of my days would have been those kind of conversations with God. Mm-hmm. Um, but so many amazing, like God moments in between where he just yeah. showed up. And I think it was that commitment to just say, no matter what, I'm just going to hang with God and I'm just going to try to do this as best as I can. And like, yeah, God showed up in those moments. So for sure, I can, you know, I could go on stories and stories about what that looked like on a daily basis. But most of it was a lot of frustration a lot of pain and a lot of, you know, anger that I had to work through still. Um, But for sure, that one commitment like helped kind of sustain me through of like, this is who I'm going to be. Yeah. And and I, you know, two, two things that kind of really seem to be coming to to the forefront for me and listening to your story to this point. Number one is like this earnest desire to be a certain type of man, right? Character Mm. breeds outcome uh, in many ways. And so you had that idea, that identity, and that, that was part of who God shaped you to be and coming to faith, I'm sure brought that to light. But then also I think there was this earnest desire to seek God uh, and, you know, a lot of times when we hear people question God, it's like, oh, why didn't you do this? Or how come you didn't do it this way? But it's more of people that are questioning God in the sense of like, why didn't you do it my way? Uh, yeah. Whereas it sounds like, again, not that it always worked itself out perfect, but one of the things I love about the Psalms is David's often yeah. screaming yeah, at God, right? He's angry, like pissed. And, yes, but, but it's this earnest desire. There's never, there's never a time when, when we get this feeling as though, 
uh, he was dishonoring God in, in screaming at him. And, and again, mm-hmm. there's a right and wrong way, I think, to do that. And so I love that. You know, there, there was just this earnest desire for you to continue to work these things out. And so how long, I mean, this isn't really that long ago. You said 2019. How long yep. did it did it take you like until, I mean, maybe kind of part of it is how long did it take you to realize you said that, you know, you divorced. And so until the marriage mm-hmm. was finally mm-hmm. over, what did that do? And then how, how has that shift kind of taken on further? Um, I don't know, realization for, for you. sure. Oh yeah, definitely. So yeah. And so we were separated, um, end of 2019, early 2020, which was when COVID hit <laughs> and, through everything that happened, like I had ended up being out of the house, living in a friend's like uh, basement. And so like, I'm literally there in the middle of COVID, all that's happening. Mm. It was the least of my worries. <laughs> I was like, you know, everyone's freaking out about the world. I'm trying to save a marriage, you know, like that was still my focus. Um, yep. so that whole season's a blur, but I think, um, to go on what you just said, I think one of the biggest things for me where I had a mentor and he would just say, what did God say to you last? Like, I know you can't mm-hmm. hear him now in the last couple of weeks, I know you're frustrated now, but what did he say to you last? And I think one of the coolest things was I was having a time where I was just reading the, reading the word, getting into it. And I'm in John 5, and I read John 5, 17, which just says, my father is always working, and so am I. Jesus says it. And like, I've probably read that a hundred times. It feels like kind of an insignificant verse, but it just jumped, just jumped off the page. It was one of those moments where it was like, this is from God. This is exactly for you. And this is probably in like December. So probably like a month into it. And I just remember like, okay, sick. Like, and my, like my thought was, okay, cool. God, like we're going to get back together. You're going to work this Mm -hmm. all out. Like you're always working. Awesome. So I had that moment. And so I kept going back to that. Cause he would, my mentor would just say like, what did God say to you last? And I was like, well, I know he said that he's working. So I'd be like, okay, well, let's just trust that. So I kind of had this thought the whole time, like, this is going to work back out. This is going to work out we're going to get back together. And, uh, in April, April, it was actually good Friday, which has crazy kind of <laughs> symbolic <laughs> a symbolism for me. It was good Friday. Uh, she ended up asking for a divorce and, um, yeah, so that was April of 2020. And that was kind of a moment where it was just like, what the heck, God? Like you said, you said you were working. Like I sought you this this whole time. Like I was fasting. I was praying. I was getting in the world. I was doing everything. It was kind of like, you know what? This isn't the outcome that I thought was going to happen. But the crazy, the crazy thing is, man, end of 2020, I'm doing a year end review and I'm looking back through my calendar and I, I keep a pretty tight calendar and stuff. Like I put things in there just so I can review them. And, and so I'm doing this practice at the end of 2020 and I'm looking back at my calendar and I see like, okay, this was a super tough meeting with my, with my ex-wife. Like I can remember, it. I remember the pain. I remember the conversation. And then two days later, hang out with Ross, two days later, hang out with Jordan, two days later, hang out with uh, Tom. And it was like, all these guys that I was meeting with in this time. Um, and I didn't even know what God was doing. (laughs) And that's the crazy thing, but it was like incredibly tough thing. But then it was like, I was meeting with these guys and I was just being real, being honest, being like, Hey guys, like this is what's going on. This sucks. And like Mm -hmm. the crazy thing was when I was doing that, like these guys started kind of sharing like what was going on with them. And like, we just started like doing life together. And, and, and I could see looking back, like God was literally using me in that time to help all these other guys going through pain when I was at my weakest, like 
And that's the craziest part to me. It was like, I wouldn't have noticed it in the time I was like, man, I'm like, I was so focused on this marriage and stuff, but it was like, mm-hmm. when God says he like uses like in your weakness, like he's, or he makes you strong. Um, like I really just see that looking back where I was like, oh my gosh, when I took a step back, I was like, oh my gosh, like we were helping each other out. We were doing life together. We're like, there was all these guys and that led into this passion that I have for men now, like, and so coming out of that season, out of the divorce, I go to like seven of my closest friends and I'm like, guys, like, let's just do life together. Like, I just need some people right now. Let's push each other. Let's push each other to like pursue the Lord. Let's push each other after goals. Like it was everything. And so we had this text thread with, with seven other, you know, seven other of my closest friends where we were just like, this is what God's doing and this is what I'm pursuing. And these are the goals I'm going after. And we were just like texting each other on a daily basis. Hey, did you get in the word? Are you doing this? And like, we'd meet up on Mondays and just work out together and, uh, and like go on a run and, and we were preparing to do like a big hike and stuff at the end. It's kind of like the finish. And, uh, so that season then led into launching a full on men's ministry at my church that I just became kind of the de facto leader of. Wow. Uh, and so I'm sitting there at the end of 2020 looking back and I remember John five seventeen. my father is always working. And so am I. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, God, you, you were working like in a crazy way, like in a way that I never thought when he said that I thought it was for my marriage, but it was way bigger than that. Like it was way beyond that. It was like, I'm working to give you like a ministry to men that you didn't have before. Like I'm working to give you deeper friendships that you didn't have before. I'm like working in this to use you to call these men higher and for them to be better husbands and them to be better, you know, friends and brothers and stuff. And so, man, that's like, that's what just fires me up looking back is like, gosh, dude, God was working in ways I could never imagine. Isn't it so fascinating? I mean, this is just every time I hear anybody's story and I know you've probably, you know, you told it a lot, so it's not quite as like charged as it was, you know, the first time. The second <laughs> I time whatever, still feel it, man. I'm getting emotional every time. Yeah. yeah it's like, isn't it's it crazy. crazy to think that there are few things worse than divorce? in terms of the pain and agony that it causes, right? Very few things. And if that's the worst thing that you go through, it's literally the most pain you'll ever experience in your, in your life. And there is no way that anybody would ever say, okay, I'm going to get married. It's okay if I go through a divorce because my life will be better as the result. Like people will say that when they're spiteful, when they're angry, you know, when they, when they don't respect and love their spouse the way that they should, but with, with good heart, good intention, good desire, nobody would ever, 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 ever wish that upon themselves or anybody else for that matter. And yet God in, in, in some way that we will never be able to explain took what is hopefully the most pain you've ever experienced in your life and turned it into one of the greatest blessings you will ever experience. Like, is that crazy? Oh yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is amazing. And I I say that all the time. Like I I wouldn't wish what I went through on anybody. Like I I really would not, but I also wouldn't trade it. Like, like looking back, it sucked, man. It was, you know, it was five, six months of pain and just grinding and and stuff on a daily basis and Mm. didn't end up the way that I wanted. But like, because of what God did in me, the trust that I have, 
like in the deep relationship that I have with him now. And now this new, like, I feel like this purpose and this calling and this gifting. And like, like, I feel like I was thrust into this. It's like, I feel like I was literally plucked out and put into this. Um, that like knowing that is just like, I wouldn't trade that for anything, man. I really wouldn't. And if I can now help some people get on the front end of that, be proactive on the front end and learn those lessons without having to go through what I did, like that would be, that's why I do this. Yeah. This makes me, I mean, I guess because we're two Christians, like this happens, but like, um, (laughs) you know, just like staring back into scripture. And this is when I kind of, you know, take on the idea of in Hebrews 12, uh, when, uh, when it says uh, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross talking about Christ Mm -hmm. going to the cross. And it's like, how in the world could anybody ever stare at pain in the eye and say, I I find joy in this, you know, that's like, for sure sadistic and and yet god did that so perfectly and in some way he kind of like imprints that onto us so that when we stare pain in the face even if we don't see it in the moment yeah he is so good to us in 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 looking back and reflecting and allowing us to see that no no that was actually for my good which is just and and the good of so many people around you you know it's just it's wild so I can see how this was so good. And I mean, I can see how this was so good for you. But if, if you were to say, like, how are you better? Mm-hmm. You as a man, how are you better because of what you experienced? What would you say? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question for sure. There's a lot of things there. Um, I think one of the things that I think of right away was like, um, I just have this rock solid, like trust in God now for sure. Um, but then just more on the practical side of things, like I think as a man now, I just realize that there's so much more than being just the servant hearted, nice guy. <laughs> and like, I like that, like, that's great. And I feel like we have two extremes. Sometimes you're either like too servant hearted, nice guy, humble, where you don't have any sort of passion or fire or purpose, or you're the guy who just like bulldozes everybody. But I think yeah. there's this kind of spot in the middle of this like humble, confident leader. And I think mm-hmm. like, I just gained this confidence Um, that I didn't have before. Like I I would say like I was pretty like I wasn't that confident of a person before. But after you go through something like that and you come out of it and you're okay and you see like how God used it and like just the yeah, I don't know. Like I just feel this like confidence now. And it's not like a cockiness, but it's like a dude, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And so to wake up feeling that every single day is like is a game changer in terms of like yeah, I'm living with what I was put on this earth to do. Um, and so I love that. And I just think I have such a like, man, before I honestly, I think, and maybe this is some of it being a pastor's kid or whatever. Like I definitely wasn't that open of a person. Like I wouldn't, I was always the jokester. Like, let's keep things surface level. Let's talk sports. Let's talk this. Like that was just my natural. But now I'm like, dude, Like, there's so much more to life. Like, I want to know what's going on with you. I want to tell you what's going on with me. I'm just so much more of like an open, vulnerable person because I saw that actually like open other people up. And like, so I think that's a big one now is like having real relationships with men where before it was all just fun and joking. Now it's like, you know what? Like, there's more important things. Let's make sure we got each other's back and let's do life together. And you got to have people that you can be open with and honest with. 
It's a good way to close it out, man. I mean, <laughs> I think that, yeah. you know, obviously I'm, I'm sure you could go on and on talking about all the meticulous ways, you know, For that sure. you learned and grew and, and, and what you overcame. But I think that just paints a wonderful picture as we kick this season off. You know, my, my heart in all of this is never to celebrate tragedy. Um, yeah. You know, we, we wouldn't wish any tragedy upon anybody, any hurt upon anybody. And yet we all deal with it. And I think that, you know, you, your story is just one of what will be thousands and thousands, if I could get to them, of people telling sure. similar stories of being able to reflect back and realize that their wounds became a key and yeah. it just, it opened up something so much greater for them uh, that again, you'd, you'd rather not happen, but because it did, um, you're better for it. So, man, for I appreciate sure. you. Thank you. Uh, it was great to hear it for the first time this way. Yeah, I love definitely. being able to, to do it as organically as possible. And so I'm sure people are going to be super encouraged by you. So Jonathan, thank you. I really appreciate it. Of course, man. Yeah. It was a privilege to be here and uh, thanks for all you do, man. No, it's good. Well, guys, that wraps it up. Another episode of the podcast in the books. Uh, you will be able to contact and connect with Jonathan through the show notes. So make sure you go there. We'll put links to all of his contact information. If you have any questions, concerns, thoughts, please reach out to me. You know where to find me. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. I appreciate you so much. Now go live for your greatness. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Authentic Conversations. If you are ready to live the life you've dreamed of, I'm here to help. Head to ryanjamesmiller.com slash podcast to begin your journey. And if this episode impacted you in any way, pay it forward by sharing it with someone you know. I'm Ryan James Miller, and I'll see you next time on Authentic Conversations.